0: Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.
1: And you're here. Thanks for choosing the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Your quest for podcasts of the paranormal, supernatural, and the unexplained ends here. We invite you to enjoy all our shows we have on this network, and right now, let's start with Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Champlain.
0: Welcome family. to our podcast. Please be aware the thoughts and opinions expressed by the host are their thoughts and opinions only, and do not reflect those of iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio, Coast to Coast AM, employees of Premier Networks, or their sponsors and associates. We would like to encourage you to do your own research and discover the subject matter for yourself. Hi, I'm Sandra Champlain. For almost 25 years, I've been on a journey to prove the existence of life after death. On each episode, we'll discuss the reasons we now know that our loved ones have survived physical death. And so will we. Welcome to Shades of the Afterlife. Did you know that many people believe that it was back in 1848 with the raps and taps on the walls from the Fox sisters in Hydesville, New York? started the birth of the spiritualism movement that is people believing that they can communicate with the dead. From the Fox Sisters, there was a big movement of people sitting in home circles, followed by physical mediumship, trance mediumship. And then after the wartime, became what we have now as evidential Mediums. And those are the mediums that you think of when you see somebody for a private sitting. However, a hundred years before that, there was actually a guy who studied the afterlife for over 30 years and wrote many books on it. His name was Emanuel Swedenborg, who was born in 1688 and died in 1772. And many years ago, when I was on my investigation for just more evidence of the afterlife, well, I still am actually, I found a website called Swedenborg.com and also a YouTube channel called Off the Left Eye. There's a young man named Curtis Childs who hosts regular shows about Swedenborg, his philosophy, and much of it deals with the afterlife. So I'd like to share with you a conversation I had with Curtis. He's similar to me, the fact that we just want to share what we've learned to help others have the best lives possible. Ultimately, if we can end and help people who are suffering, that's what we want to do. So on this episode, you'll hear from Curtis, you'll learn about Swedenborg, his personal truths on the afterlife, his thoughts of angels and the loved ones we'll see, and ultimately, what Swedenborg says is the purpose of life. So, Curtis, take it away. Tell us about Emanuel Swedenborg.
2: You can't escape life after death if you're going to start reading Swedenborg. That was his claim to fame. His most popular book was called Heaven and Hell, which is this, uh, a tour of the afterlife, if you will. Um that was actually the book he wrote to try to get people interested in his other books. Because mm-hmm. he goes into all this complex background information about everything that people were, were not really willing to slog through. And they, everyone was asking him about, tell me about the afterlife. So he wrote that book to kind of get people interested. And I think that as far as who Swedenborg is, if he hadn't started writing uh, these books about his experiences with life after death uh, and everything else, we would all know who he is because he was he was a scientific. Genius. He was at, at the head of many fields of science. He was kind of the leading man in Sweden who was a world power at the time. He was figuring out how anatomy worked. He was figuring out how to make mining more effective. He wrote wow. this thing called the Principia, which covered all the major topics of his day. He did metallurgy. He did, like, everything. Uh, he was a Renaissance man just, just in the, the period around there. But he, he was on a, a path to be – I think, you know, you'd learn about him in history you learn about. He might not be as influential as Newton, but you'd have right. there. You know? yep. However, when he was in his mid-50s, he was looking for the seat of the soul. You know, he was studying anatomy Back then, it was widely believed that there is a soul. You know, now it it sort of is, but there's kind of this schism between science and 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 spirituality. But he was thinking, well, I should be able to find a soul if I look in anatomy, if I if I study the the brain enough. But he wasn't finding it, and he was his quest was sort of pulling him there, and he was kind of coming to the a dead end. You know, where where can I find this thing? And his dreams at that point began to get more vivid. And he actually catalogs this in what could be one of the first instances of, of dream analysis ever recorded. He has this thing that's published now as um, Journal of Dreams by Swedenborg, where he wrote not only wrote down his dreams, but sort of psychoanalyzed them. Mm-hmm. And this was before there was such a thing. You know, this was before Freud or anything like that. But he would write his dream and then write what he thought it meant. And as those progressed, they became more and more vivid and lucid and eventually uh, spilled over into this waking spiritual out of body experiences, which, uh, we would now call near death experiences or, or out of body experiences or spiritually transformative experiences. It became something more than a dream. And you can actually see him make that progression. So he had this, this complete change in the direction of his life. His spiritual experiences became the primary thing he wrote about. All the way up until his death, he did sprinkle in a few more scientific things here and there, but it was the main thrust of everything was about he had this mission that he felt like he had been given to write this stuff down, give people this information. And he felt and looking back retrospectively, he said that his entire scientific career had just been preparing him for this, so that he could go into the afterlife, the nature of God, the nature of the soul with the the mind of a scientist, so he could meticulously document it. And what he had was he was able to basically have near death experiences at will for 30 years, continuously. Oh uh, that you, my
0: gosh.
2: Yeah, that he was he was lucidly in contact with the spiritual world. It, it didn't matter, even if he was getting his coffee and writing in the morning, there, he would hear what spirits around him were saying. He could travel in, in, in the spirit to see... All the different realms of the afterlife. He could meditate on things and that would co, so he was constantly plugged into that. He could, he could be at a party with people in this earth, but, but at the same time be aware of what the spirits around him thought of that party. So he was plugged into that degree and he, that's one of the things that makes him remarkable is he was so connected uh, and so lucid. He could just, he could say, I want to go see this thing and he could go see it. And he had it continuously for, for three decades or more. And he wrote 27 volumes about it. So he, this could be the most documentation about spiritual experiences that any one person has has ever had. and And not only that Like, imagine you visited the United States from a foreign country Mm -hmm. and you just went there, um, and, you know, you, you showed yourself around. You know, that that's one level of experiencing. But imagine instead if you were some special envoy and the U.S. government, all the major institutions, corporations, everybody gave you like backstage passes to see how their operation worked. You got the total tour of everything from the people who knew. That's sort of what he got of the afterlife because he was given all this access to see not just – I, I saw a building and there was people in it, but he learned sort of the, the laws governing the spiritual world. He was told he got to visit, uh, these groups of people that, these groups of spirits that were hard to get to. He, he had this incredible access, he said, because then he could, it was given to him so that he could relay this stuff so that it could become common knowledge with, with all of us who can read his books. And as you said, a lot of the stuff that he wrote was way ahead of his time in that. It feels current now. It feels like it lines very much up with modern spiritual or near-death experiences. At the time, it was so out there that he was put on trial for heresy and almost kicked out of his country, all this kind of stuff, because he was saying these things that you just didn't say back in, in theocratic Christian Europe, but a lot of things now are that, that he was saying back then, like um, you know, all paths can lead you to heaven. A lot of people say that now, but but not so many back then. But he was he was prescient in that way.
0: Curtis, what are some of Swedenborg's core beliefs?
2: Um, the first thing I would say is don't believe everything you think. Um, <laughs> that's good. That, I mean, that's not necessarily about what heaven is like. No, but that's that's about what's in between us and heaven. Meaning, one of the things that he learned is. We are always being influenced by the other side. He said he talks about the spiritual world. Some people think about it like it's some sort of um, ethereal thing that's that's far away. Like he compares it to a bird flying way off in the air that you can kind of see, you know. Mm -hmm. okay. there's a spiritual world. It's out there, whatever it is. He says, no, actually, the spiritual world is like a a beautiful bird of paradise that's flying so close to your face that the tips of its Feathers on its wings are touching your eyelash. You know, it's so oh. close to you. It's always interacting. And he says that the, we are in a continuum with the afterlife. We, our thoughts and feelings are being influenced by the greater whole of humanity. Just like you can see, just go on your Facebook feed and look for somebody who's saying something political right now. Right. If it's something you don't like, Chances are you're going to say, Oh, well, they just heard that on channel X. And that's why they're saying we, we acknowledge that people are influenced by things. And Swedenborg yes. is saying we get an influence in the mind in the same way. And, and to me, hearing that after having just dealt with this deluge of negative thoughts and feelings for so long. Oh, that makes sense. I don't have to believe in this stuff just because I hear it in my mind. You know, that that, that's sort of critical thinking about it to me that's been the concept that I've most been able to use. And that's just a giving you a very simplified version of it. The other things, the heaven that he talks about is a state of mind. And really, that gives me a compass to sort of gauge where do I want to go? Because we sit here, we have life. What am I trying to accomplish? What am I trying to do? You know, how do I play this game? What are the rules? Are you trying to win? What is life? And he gives you this picture of uh, the heavenly mindset, which is probably people have heard parts of it from from other traditions, but it's essentially it's loving, doing useful things for other people. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you wrote that book that you wrote to try to get other people to to learn that, hey, we're not going to just blink out at the end of our life. There is something there. You're turning something into something that helps people. And the joy that you feel in that and the joy that I feel when I think about somebody finding my videos and it lifting up their life, that's heaven. That is the mindset of heaven, that the joy in serving some kind of use for another person, that joy is going to last. If I'm doing my channel, if I'm sitting there and I'm excited, like, look how many subscribers I have, that makes me so cool. That's not a sustainable joy.
0: We're going to head into our first break. And while you're listening to those commercials, why don't you head over to Coast to Coast AM and click on events. You can see where the great George Norrie is going to be coming up, maybe to a town near you. George Norrie and Tom Danheiser from Coast to Coast AM created Shades of the Afterlife, so I'm always grateful to share where they will be. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast
3: Network.
1: Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. It's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and we are with Curtis Childs from Off the Left Eye YouTube channel with now almost 140,000 subscribers. Curtis was just saying that to get sustainable happiness, you can't be directed from ego. Like, oh, look at how many subscribers I have. Let's let him continue.
2: But what that number represents is a bunch of people who hopefully are having a positive impact in their life. The thing that I should be excited about is happiness in those people and and answers and and relief, the kind of relief that I got happening for them. That's heaven. So it just lets me know, okay, great. That's what I can cultivate. That's what I can work toward. Not that I should never feel good about myself for doing a good job on things, but don't have that be your primary goal in life. The primary goal is help the human race. Think about that, though, as a as a compass, because the best Curtis that Curtis can be mm-hmm. is serving people in, in the way that I can. If I didn't know that you, you can easily get buffeted around inside your mind and in, in, inside your feelings oh, do I need to be more successful here? Do I need to be expressing myself more here? Do I need, is there something I you don't, it creates this nervousness about what, what do I need to do to validate myself? But if you just know the point is serve others in that way, to me, it's relaxing. Okay. That's, that's the direction. Not that it lays out every step of that, but it gives me a path. And so that's just one concept. There there are so many others in Swedenborg. Um his picture of of God is just beautiful. It's it's large and complex but very simple uh Love that God has, love to the whole human race. Like when I'm going to help people, that's really that's that divine love coming through. The more that each of us individually taps into that, the more that we all act together in concert. He has this idea. Have you heard of, um did you ever see an episode on uh, the grand human? No. So this is a concept that he has. He, he talked about in the afterlife the place he calls heaven which heaven is just made up of people who are more and more having this state of mind of love to the human race he says that we're both wearing the shape of heaven meaning the human body is this perfect model of cooperation interdependence and mutual love if you think about all the different parts of the body they get everything they need from the whole and they give everything they have to the whole you think about it's true on the larger levels of let's talk about your heart it is pumping blood out to the whole body but also it's receiving protection from the rib cage it is receiving oxygen from the lungs its, it's immune system is protecting it it is it is being loved and it is loving uh. you know and you see this even down to the cellular level you have individual cells that are working to make proteins they are dependent on the red blood cells bringing them oxygen he says that the human body is actually the perfect image of the way that the entire human race can work together and like you were saying you know you find out in whatever way you can help you know there's all these different specialized parts the teeth do something that you know the uh, that the liver can't do and that, that which then the eyeball does something that the ear can't do, right. and that each of us, he actually says that in heaven you go to you know, it's not like heaven is actually in the shape of a person, but people who have uh, an ability to understand things, an ability to learn, they're kind of like the eyes of humanity. So you go there and you're in a community serving to to gather information for the rest of humanity. He talks about this, this tight community that's as mutually interdependent and loving as the human body. And that from physical things, we can see pictures of spiritual things. And with Swedenborg, he shows how the entire physical world is showing you what these deeper realities are like. You just know how, have to know how to, to speak the language. And, and the example of the, the human body is just one out of, out of many, many, many examples.
0: That's really great, Curtis. Can we talk a little bit about the mind? Because we all have a negative mind that pops up more often than we want to. You know, I have people in my book do an exercise, write down everything you think about yourself. And so often there's a lot of negative. And then I say, what if you were asking the five people closest to you, what would they say about you? And you know what? It would be filled with positive things. So we aren't really who we think we are. We're really as other people say that we are.
2: Isn't that an interesting phenomenon that we're all mean to ourselves? Like, wait a second, step like that doesn't make any sense. I did a video that was called Head Bullies, which is a speech that I I gave once. And because if you took that list you were talking about, Mm -hmm. if you had a person who was saying those things to you, that would be a what a restraining order i mean that that is not okay
0: <laughs> that would be a restraining I mean, order we,
2: we do not allow that that's we, funny if, but if, no. I, if i was saying that to somebody they sh- they should be exiting me from their life as fast as possible you know yeah. um however when we say it to ourselves we just think oh that's true it must be true because i'm saying it you know, but no, it's not that, that treat that, those voices in the same way that you'd really treat a bully, which means if somebody's bullying you, you don't want to say, I'm going to listen. I'm going to take your advice to heart on everything you say because you know, all they're trying to do is get at you. It's for the same reason that bullies bully. It's, it's for power and it's, it has none. It doesn't have your own interest in mind. So in that same way, yeah. I, I take everything that all that negative stuff I get, I, I try to just say, like, you're not a trustworthy source, my own mind on that kind of stuff that you got to have these balances like you're talking about, get other people to to talk to you. That, that's yeah. a great technique.
0: Yeah. And that uh, untrustworthy source, source, we also buy into that, you know, life after death can't be real or this is mm-hmm. all there is. And, and meanwhile, if we can stop and we can look at like internet technology or our cell phones that are picking up things from God knows where the cloud is, you know, or, or even looking at planet earth and thinking, you know, millions of years ago, it was just this rock. Right. And now out of it, we have houses and books and computers and technology. And like, we're, we're actually living in a miracle, but our minds can say no, we're not.
2: And they can shrink it down so incredibly to uh, like, you have this amazing world is amazing technology, amazing people, but your life can just be reduced to, I can't believe that person said that thing about me. Oh, exactly. You know, like that's, that's what it comes down to. I remember going to see this exhibit about the human body and just being floored by the amazing amount of complexity right. and beauty in it. But yet you can see someone just be like, that guy looks funny. You know, and that's like your whole assessment. But if you understood the processes that are going, that that is the most amazing thing you could look at, you know. Um, So I think that that's it's funny how how we can just uh, sort of debase the thing that. But but really, there's all this behind it. And it's cool that you mentioned um, Internet technology, cell phone technology. We did a show called How the Spiritual World is Like the Internet as we find it now, which obviously was something that you know, there's nothing comparable to that on the planet in the mid 1700s. But he talks about, um, you know, time and space being obsolete in, in the spiritual world that thinking of anyone, you can immediately be present with them. There's no distance issue there. And the time, there's not really time, there's just sort of states of mind. And here we are, you and I are far, far away from each other, but yet we're talking over the Internet like we're face to face and we're recording this show. But, you know, anybody from now on can just listen to it as if it was happening in the present moment. So you sort of have the physical world starting to resemble the spiritual world. And it goes into more detail than that. Um, Swedenborg says that uh, in the spiritual world, you can know what somebody is like just on approaching them. It's like more of an honest world, you know, uh, and, you know, it's it's not a perfect system. But with the Web, if I get a, a call on my phone that I don't recognize, I can immediately look up that number and see, oh, other people are saying this is this is spam. Don't answer this. Yeah, true. You know, that yeah. you can kind of vet things. And with with a person, you go try to look at their Facebook profile. You can like learn about them instantly. And also people gather in their own communities. You have all these neat. The sort of, uh, web communities that are based around really specific interests, but people gather and they talk about those. Even, uh, my, my YouTube channel, and this is people who are interested in a particular, uh, take on spirituality that Swedenborg offers. We can all gather there. And Swedenborg says in community, in the spiritual world, it's your interest. It's what you love that pulls you together. So it just, I just see that the more technology, evolves, the more it begins to resemble this thing he was describing seeing, you know, a couple centuries ago. So there again, the, the physical world is starting to reflect the spiritual world more and more.
0: Wow, I just got this visual of um, driving down the road and without your show. Uh you're in the back seat someone else is doing the driving and they're going wherever they want to go and they're telling you stories that you probably don't want to hear and they're being the bully and and all Mm -hmm. that stuff and what you provide curtis and the swedenborg foundation is you get to be in the driver's seat and you get to just (laughs) be like no this is where i'm gonna go and this is what i want to find out about and it's such a a wonderful way to really grow spiritually Getting into the driver's seat, watching and learning, and what you provide for people, I think you can really have like a rapid growth spurt into a just another quality of life that was previously unimaginable. So yes,
2: well, it's it's cool to hear you say that because that's what I'm hoping it can provide, and that's what Swedenborg has provided for me for sure, um, and. That not only does it put you in the driver's seat, but tells me what roads are good to drive on where where the destination is you know because if i don 't have a clear sense of where to go it 's hard for me to to get in there and and drive but i that 's a very good metaphor that it does make me feel like rather than just being driven everywhere by the thoughts in the mind, I can instead say, I know what's actually going on. So if you're saying something counter to that, I know I don't have to listen to you, which that has been such a phenomenal tool for me uh, in growth and in life.
0: Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And I know for myself and what I share about as I really think where we are at this moment right now is what's important our mind can also say what we could have and should have done differently and given us all this guilt, right? And that's not very empowering in life. So instead of that, all roads led us to exactly where we are today, talking today, doing what we are today. And we've got the power of the unseen world around us, fueling us. In fact, when we get back from the break, Curtis, I want to hear a little bit about what Swedenborg says about our loved ones. And if we have guides, I think you mentioned earlier, angels. So let's go to our break and then we will continue our conversation. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.
1: Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is
1: your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
0: Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and we are with Emanuel Swedenborg expert, Curtis Childs. Curtis, can you talk, if Swedenborg talks about our deceased loved ones in the afterlife, or angels, or spirit guides?
2: Yes, he, he absolutely does. He gives de- descriptions, um, not as vivid. I mean, in the In modern near-death experiences, you'll get more vivid descriptions of reuniting with, with relatives. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that he, he just had so much he was covering. He does say, you know, in the spiritual world, seeing families reunited, seeing, um, you know, siblings, uh, spouses, spouses, Parents and children, people being overjoyed, meeting each other again. So he would even have people that he knew while they were alive. Then they would die, and he would get to converse with them in spirit after oh, that. So there, that's good yeah, enough
0: for me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: and even I mean, there are anecdotes, but well documented about uh, you know there was people who began to catch wind that that he could see the spiritual world so they wanted to test it could tell me something that that my brother would know who died that nobody else did and and as the story goes he was called into the uh, court of this queen and he told her this thing that nobody else could have known and you can look at look at his uh, wikipedia page it's on there but so he had these sorts of connections so there's those but then angels he says yes always there's actually always at least two angels with every person There is two angels because one is associated with your thoughts and one is associated with your feelings. Hmm. Because there are sort of two primary faculties in a human being what he calls the understanding and the will. Which also can be called the intellect and the volition, or, or volition and discernment, which I think almost breaks down neatly into thoughts and feelings. It's sort of like your purpose and how you get there. And he says that that you have an angel with with each part of you, and that through this angel is is sort of your connection to heaven, so you can actually be in. As he describes it, it's complex because there's those those two that are almost like. They're like permanently with you and and sort of allow you to live because they're a channel for this, this life into you. He talks about communities in the afterlife, but he says our spirits are actually in communities right now in the afterlife. We have a spirit right now. We're in a community and actually our community throughout the course of our life changes based on what we love, based on what we're turning our attention towards and focusing on. That we actually change spiritual locations as we grow to have different interests and and progress spiritually. We, we go up into these different heavenly communities. He gives the interesting anecdote that if you're deep enough in meditation or something like that, uh-huh. you actually become visible in your spiritual community like the the spirits there can see you and be like, who who's that? you know, um Swedenborg is full of little fascinating anecdotes like that, but what I'm saying is there's also you could be surrounded by plenty of angels that are working with you and protecting with you in addition to your you know your your two kind of buddy buddies so any <laughs> you know so so there's there's a, there's this level of intimacy. With heaven that I've rarely ever heard of with angels actually being able to know sort of the details of the origins of our thoughts Mm -hmm. and our feelings and why we're all these elements in our thoughts and feelings that we ourselves aren't even aware of. And they're gently trying to bend those towards good. They never force us to do something we're not willing to do, but they're always pulling for us. And Swedenborg says that, an angel would gladly trade places with anyone if it meant they could come up and experience heaven. when we talk about the joy of of helping other people, heaven consists entirely of that so so angels you know, people that are in heaven, their greatest joy is helping, and, and that includes helping us. so you have Swedenborg talks about angels that that protect people while they're sleeping and introduce good dreams. And he says that the angels are so excited to do that, that there's sort of a friendly competition between them because, no, I want to do it. I want to do it because I really want to I really want this person to be happy. So there's that much pressing um, love coming out of them. And when he would say he would interact with angels, he pretty much loses his ability to describe it. He he always just says it. They are pure love. There's nothing but love. It's it's just it's beyond me to describe, Uh, you know, he'll try. But but I think you get that. From from people who have had near death experiences that that they can try to put it into words, but, but they
0: can't. Yeah, they, so they he, can't.
2: He he finds himself in the same boat.
0: Yeah. What does he say as far as the purpose of life?
2: From what I understand, we're in the second sort of womb. Right now, if you think of what's the point of being in the womb before we're born, it's to grow and develop because you have to grow and develop in that particular environment. You know, the womb, you yeah, uh-huh. have the amniotic fluid uh, that, you know, you're protected from the elements. You're given all the food you need. You You're given the oxygen you need. You couldn't go through those stages out here in this world because you need that environment. And similarly, we are here in this world because we need this environment to grow and develop before we can go into the spiritual world. This level of existence has different conditions than are than are available there. For example, here you can kind of be duplicitous, or you can sort of think one thing but say another thing, or try to put up a front, you know, yes, to, to uh-huh. please people. Yep. Um, and actually, that that actually is. It can be used negatively, but it's actually an important tool because Swedenborg says in the spiritual world, you just are what you are. You don't really have impulse control. You don't really have a filter. And if we did that now, that would be a problem, you know, because we all have stuff to work on. We have a chance because you can think one thing and feel a different thing. I can say, oh, I'm really wanting to think something nasty about that person, say something nasty to them, behave dysfunctionally, but I'm actually going to Not do it. You know, that we have the chance to kind of push back and learn in that way. And through that, we're, we're forming our spirit. Those choices that we make in the face of things like suffering or negativity, that's forming our spirit. So that once, but at the end of life, the the spirit that, that we've formed through the kinds of things we've chosen and loved in life, then that's fully developed and ready to be in the, in the spiritual world so that we are going through this life because We have to have these conditions to develop. But in regard to suffering in particular, Swedenborg says that nothing bad is allowed unless in the end can be used for good. So, I mean, we have me, Curtis, uh, talking about 18, 19, 20. I was going through this really hard stuff. Well, I can even see in retrospect that I I learned so much. I, I'm more empathetic now. I'm deeper now. And that was what led me and continues to lead me to this craving for the truth and this search for the truth and this uh, living uh, the principles I find in Swedenborg and in other sources and 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 then wanting to pass it on. If it wasn't for any of those hardships, I would never have that that desire to do that, you know, so there, all the things in our lives that are tough are only allowed to the extent that in the end, even though there is suffering and that's real, I'm not trying to, you know, trivialize that, but thinking down the road, you know, if life is eternal, we're going to at some point be able to look back and say, okay, it was all worth it. I am who I am today because of all this. When people see the plan, they think, okay, it it all makes sense. And that the idea is, even though it does not seem like that at all, we can have some confidence and some comfort in the idea that all this is bringing the best out of an imperfect situation, which is that we live in a world where people are free to either be nice or mean to each other and from and all the sort of residual suffering that comes out of that, you know. So, I mean, that's that's my like, pithy attempt to answer that quickly. We, we've done several <laughs> shows on the topic. It's That's like the, the main question, you know. Um, but but those are those are like sort of the, the beginning thoughts on the whole thing. And it's not like I always have that all figured out. If I'm in my house trying to get something ready and I like knock over a glass full of water or something, it's very hard for me in that moment to feel like everything has a purpose. Why that? Come on. Like, okay, I get it. You can learn, but why that? So I'm still learning, but I do believe that, you know, in my better states that we are going to, I can, because I can see it with some things in my own life, things that at the time I really didn't like, but now I think, wow, I'm really lucky for the position I'm in now because of those things.
0: Yeah. My dad died and that was the thing for me, the most suffering Mm. and really, tough time. Never in a million years would I've ever thought I'd be helping people through grief. Curtis has been people that haven't committed suicide because of my words and the shows and the book. and And it's like, in the moment, it was all happening. I would have never thought that my deepest, darkest despair would turn into something like this. But looking back, it's like it has. So as advice to somebody who may be going through some really tough times right now, in the moment, it's really hard to have the answers, but there is something called faith and trust that perhaps in the future, you're going to make a profound difference for someone else or, you know, have a better life because of it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think we can ever be trying to take away people's pain entirely. But as you said, as you said, there is an element of comfort. I don't think we can eradicate suffering, but there can be less based on these these principles like you're talking about.
0: Yeah, the human body is not an easy thing to live in. I mean, there's all kinds of chemical makeup and depression is oh, real. Yeah. And yeah, planet Earth cannot is not always the happiest place to be. No. But nope. if we do believe in a much bigger picture, it can get you through even the the darkest times. Um, Curtis, give any favorite episodes. That's what I'm thinking to ask you now. Oh,
2: uh, that we did on the... Yeah. I mean, I... The funny thing is I really like our episodes that we did about the dark side of things. Really? Um, yes. And and the reason that I do is because those are actually the ones that people come up to us and say that helped me more often than yeah. any other because it's people that are you just described all these problems with the world people are doing really tough things Mm -hmm. to each other um and in inside people's minds they're being attacked in all these ways and when because swedenborg saw sort of the root causes of all that stuff and describes it and when you describe that to people they can experience such a liberation from that like oh that's why this is happening and in me and that you know that's how i can deal with it um It it, you wouldn't think so. It's counterintuitive, but that that can be some of the most comforting stuff to people.
0: Yeah, I completely get what you're saying, and people need to know that someone else has been there before and has lived through it before. We talk about grief a lot, and who would you rather have help comfort you through grief? Someone who's been there, someone who's had family feuds, someone who's lost loved ones, or someone who just says, "Yeah, get over it. You've had a month off work." You should be fine by now. No. We want to hear from somebody who's been there before, so that totally makes sense. Well, we'll be back in just a moment with our last segment with Curtis Childs. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.
3: Are you ready to fight back against crime?
1: Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today.
0: shades of the afterlife i'm sandra champlain and we are with curtis childs from swedenborg.com or go to youtube and type in off the left eye for some really really great and powerful videos curtis do you think just because we're spiritual people that life is a little easier for us
2: there's a tendency that i want to point out that sometimes people think just because we have spiritual ideas or beliefs we don't need to go through the process the grief things like that like oh you don't you believe in life after death that's not how it works I mean death is a really really hard thing and you Mm -hmm. need to give yourself space um when I was young when I you know when I was like six uh, my sister died Mm -hmm. uh and she was just like a year and a half older than me and I Even now you live with the residual effects of that. And it's not like just now I've got all this Swedenborg in my brain. So that doesn't affect me anymore. We are biological machines in these. We are emotional creatures. You can't just unthink how you're wired and and, and just think your way out of all wounds. But there's, there's certain amounts of, you know, like if you, if you actually get a deep wound, you can't just. Command it to heal, but you can take care of it. You can clean it. You can uh-huh. you know, provide comforting medicine, and that—that's more the role that I see this stuff playing, uh, rather than saying, "Yeah, okay, so now you don't need to grieve for your dad." No, this—the the true wisdom there is—is is realizing that that you need to grieve as much as you need, and in the way that you need, and it, your grief isn't necessarily going to look like anyone else's. The, the kinds of things that the people learn only really by studying and going through it themselves
0: mm-hmm that's the best kind of learning there is
2: absolutely. That's where all the um this stuff for the the channel that we work on comes from is trying to take these principles, apply them to life, see how does this work does this make sense and then once I feel like I've got something that that we can pass along you know we we pass it along uh and it's not just me. Working on the channel, oh, we've got like a, a team of people that are, are doing graphics and writing, and, and the, the, you know the, the channel wouldn't be what it is without them. And, and they're they're all working for Swedenborg Foundation with me, so I just want to let people know that it's, it's not it's just not just you. Would you let people.
0: them know that they do a great job? Yes, I, I will. I mean, it's so awesome—the graphics and yep. uh, the scripts and the questions and your guests—and it's like, oh yep. my god! I mean, really phenomenal. Yes, phenomenal they, they are. stuff. What is the Swedenborg Foundation? What is it? Yeah,
2: it is a nonprofit organization that has been around. I don't even have it memorized. It's much more than a hundred years that it's been an organization. It was originally just a translator and publisher of Swedenborg's books. Okay. So it existed. I think it was originally in, in New York state or maybe New York city and it was called something else, but then it moved and now it's headquartered in, in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Um, and it would print Swedenborg's books and translate them. And that's all it did. But then, you know, in the eighties there were people sitting around saying, you know, barely anyone's reading these books. How do we get them out to people? So that began kind of a a new phase of Swedenborg Foundation where they were trying to publish like collateral books because when you come up upon Swedenborg's books – they're daunting. They can be a little bit intimidating if yes. if, if you yes. don't happen to have a, a taste for 1750s philosophy. Right? They, they're they're long and and they're strange. I mean, you open them up and you're going to see him talking about spirits and how they affect you and and uh, all this out of body stuff and, and mixing that in with Christian sounding stuff. And it's just like a lot of people, I would imagine, just opening it up and shutting it. You know, was just like that. So it actually takes giving us some time to really find. Oh, there's there is gold in here. You know. So Swedenborg Foundation thought, hey, that's a problem. So we're going to try to publish these simpler kind of books to get people into it. They they dabbled in some other things. They did a little video back in the day, and then um, it was just a few years ago that I started working with Swedenborg Foundation, um, and this is part of sort of this new. Uh, online push that we're doing now. And um, we have a, you know, a couple of social media networks. We have our videos. We have our website. And the, the mission statement, though, is just to foster an a affirmative, increasingly broad conversation around the ideas of Swedenborg and it's the whole the heart of it is people who have found Swedenborg love it and and think it could do some good and are just trying to get anybody to listen and 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 stop and wait wait give this a second chance that there might be something that will change your life in here
0: You know, it's interesting because when I first started my life after death research, long before my book, long before my dad died, um, I had downloaded some books. And when I had seen your videos, I'm like, Swedenborg, gosh, that sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. So I had downloaded all these free books on my Kindle. And even knowing that I was going to interview to you today, I, I decided to like open one random one. And it was to me so heavy and so like, I think I'd rather just watch his videos. It's kind yeah. of <laughs> right. what I did. Not that I won't give him a second well, chance. Well,
2: that, uh, that keeps us in business. You know, <laughs> if he was easier to read, you might not need the videos in the first place. No, so. but
0: they, they're really great. Just Thank great. Thank you. Um, what else haven't I asked you that I really should or oh, that you might want to share?
2: How about um, that? Well, I want to say... Uh, You know, if you guys want to check them out for yourself, sure, it's youtube.com slash off the left eye. And that off the left eye comes from actually there was a a spiritual experience Swedenborg had where he said that he was being shown what the dying process is like just so that he could report on it. And he said that he was sort of being put through it, but but yet a part of him was conscious so he could take notes, you know, um, or remember it and then write it. And he said that he was at first, you know, his soul was being awakened. uh, And at first he was in this purely emotive place and he was in contact with heaven close to his heart, but, but he wasn't really thinking about anything. But then when he started to stir and began to start to wake up, um, there was these angels that came that gave him the use of his spiritual sight. And they did that. He said, it seemed as if a covering was pulled off his left eye. That gave him that sight, and there's all this kind of symbolism with left and right and eyes, and so <clears throat> that's what the channel is named after—is that experience?
0: Oh, that's neat. I was wondering what that was all about.
2: Yep, yeah, and people on online are like, "What is that? What is that is that Illuminati? What what is that? What does that mean?" Mm. But uh, everything has a correspondence or a symbolism the the left side is intellectual the right side is volitional he actually swedenborg actually anticipated the modern sort of science of the hemispheres of the brain oh, through his through his spiritual discoveries but our show is called swedenborg in life because you can look at any facet of life and understand it in my opinion better through Swedenborg's concepts. It's not just relegated to, we're just going to talk about what happens after we die, or we're just going to talk about theology or something. The way you look at everything, the way you look at, at people, the way you look at other life forms, the way you look at relationships, uh, the way you look at events, it can all be upgraded by, by the way he describes it. And I'm just, I'm still feel like I'm just beginning learning what he's really talking about you know, I get concepts. Suddenly I'll understand something like I didn't before because I can read part of Swedenborg and come back Mm -hmm. and say, wait a second, I never read this before because I didn't get it. I I was once giving a, a lecture about Swedenborg's view of the afterlife. So I was just going back over heaven and hell, which I had read before. And I was just feeling like, man, I don't feel like I've ever read any of this because this is all striking me as new because, because with Swedenborg, I think you have a tendency sometimes to, I'm just going to jump over that because it seems complex or I don't get what he's saying there, but some, every once in a while it clicks and like, oh, that's alive. I I get what he's talking. That's cool. Mm -hmm. You know, and that, that, that's actually, I can use that today to change kind of my thought practice.
0: Wow. Curtis, you are a huge gift. You and your team (laughs) And cool. your angels that are surrounding you.
2: Glad you still think so, even at the end of the interview. Oh,
0: you know, it just has me want to watch more. And for our cool. listener right now, I'm bragging about Curtis, but it, he is the real deal. <laughs> uh, when I say these episodes are phenomenal. And Curtis, just from a being a human being who's mm-hmm. on a journey right now myself, the ups and downs and Life can suck sometimes and it can be great other times. I want to just really thank you for taking the negativity, the depression, your past and – whatever still keeps coming up in, in your negative mind and turning it into good and turning it into something that has made a difference in my life and will continue to. And then even in so many lives, people that that you you may never even meet. Um, there's something, I, a, a picture I want to leave you with right now, uh, Curtis, sure. and our listener. Many people that I have interviewed talk about this near-death experience. And one of the neatest things that they say many of them say is we have this life review when it's all over and you go through your life and you see your impact in other people from other people's perspective well many, Curtis, have said that after you see kind of the negative things, and nobody's judging you, you're just looking at your own life, Mm -hmm. but you get to see the impact of the positive difference you've made in people's life, and then the ripple effect. So, uh, just the image for you, Curtis, is that someday, you know, when you have your flash of your life, Mm -hmm. that you get to see just the the millions of souls that have uh, their lives have been transformed and the difference they got to make in their lives all because of you taking the time, you and your team, to make this possible for us. So I want to thank you. Uh, Meg, that, Megan, thanks thank so you. much. That's
2: that very sweet of you. And uh, we're going to keep doing it. I mean, we're, we're not slowing down anytime soon. So hopefully that those ripples will go bigger and bigger.
0: They most definitely will. And let's all just remember even the smallest little good deeds we do have that ripple effect. You never know how they impact another person. When you look at another set of eyes, they have all the fear, all the baggage, all the worries, all those things that you have. So treat them with kindness. Just a couple of last minute announcements. Don't forget our home base is wedontdie.com. And if you go to the store page and scroll down, use coupon code FREE for a copy of my audiobook. Chapter 10 is how to survive grief, which is really important. Of course, we've got our weekly psychic and mediumship classes. And when you can experience using your soul, you'll realize that you are so much more than meets the eye. I promise you that. Don't forget to come to our Sunday gathering. And then also go see our friends at coasttocoastam.com. Check out the events page. The great George Norrie has some events coming up everett washington sedona arizona there may be more by the time you're looking so my name is sandra champlain and with a big hug and mega gratitude thank you for listening to shades of the afterlife on the iheart radio and coast to coast am
3: paranormal
0: podcast network